When all I feel is fear inside, I don't wanna open up my eyes. Lord, I know I'm nothing at all. When I'd rather do anything than open up my mouth and speak, deep in my heart I hear you call. And silence is the warmest place to hide. Would you give me courage and bless the words of this speaking Hi guys, it's Mandy with the Speaking Wife podcast. I am so excited to be able to finally be sitting down and recording a podcast episode. Over the past four months, I have prepared many thoughts and written down notes, researched things. I have pages and pages in my notebooks full of podcast ideas and topics and actual episodes that I have written out the complete format for and I have just not been able to sit down and actually record one because of wanting to make sure that I'm processing things correctly myself and not using this platform in an irresponsible way. When I first started recording episodes for the podcast two years ago, my main goal was to be encouraging and to be helpful to hopefully with every topic that I discussed to give practical and helpful tips on how to navigate our way through them. And I have definitely been going through a season where I needed to be quiet and I needed to process some hurts that I was going through on my own and some situations that our family was walking through. And I wanted to do that in a way that was going to be beneficial to my home. And it's a lot easier to just get on and kind of rant and rave about what you're personally going through than it is to stop and hold yourself back and force yourself to process some things. But I never want this podcast to be a span of time that you take out of your day and you do me the honor of listening to and I leave you feeling hopeless and overwhelmed when you're done listening. So I, no matter how much studying I did, no matter how many topics I wrote down, I never could feel that freedom to just go ahead and record an episode because I was not there mentally and emotionally. I was aware that no matter what topic I tried to talk about, the hurt that I was feeling was going to come through or the overwhelmness that I was feeling was going to come through in my words. And funnily enough, if that's a word, I believe it is, at the very beginning of this four months, I wrote down a topic I wanted to discuss discuss, and I had done a lot of studying on it I'd written down so many notes on it, and instead of it being something that I felt the freedom to go ahead and record, it was something that I have chewed on for the last four months, and it's something that I needed the reminder of almost on a daily basis, and you've probably already guessed because you could see it in the title when you clicked on this episode, but it is the best way to throw a fit. And as funny as that sounds, that is a topic that has gone over and over in my mind for the past several months, and one that I have most definitely failed at in many ways. 
just don't ask my friends and family. <laughs> but I wanted to get on today and talk about that a little bit because I feel like we are in such a time of being so emotionally and mentally and physically exhausted. We are wiped out on so many levels. Everyone you talk to is overwhelmed. Everyone you talk to is tired and is hurt and feeling isolated. Everyone you talk to is feeling this deep sense of loss right now. And when we are forced into situations where we have no way of changing things, we very often, if not always, respond with anger and frustration because feeling helpless is not something that anyone deals well with. So when we're dealing with this feeling of being overwhelmed and being life just thrown out the window as we know it it's completely different things are upside down and we feel this whirlwind of emotion going on constantly the only emotion that we can cling to that gives us a fire is anger frustration so when we will hold on to that feeling and it will override every other feeling we find ourselves in a position where it feels like we want to throw a fit. So I got to thinking, what is the correct way to throw a fit? And what do we consider a fit that maybe is not even actually a fit, but we will still not allow ourselves to grieve or not allow ourselves to have that time to process. So hopefully I can articulate this in a way that halfway makes sense. As I muddle my way through this podcast, I am still feeling nervous like I did the very beginning of the podcast two years ago. I've taken such a long break that now sitting here and trying to articulate and speak quickly, but not too quickly. Anyway, all the things. I got nervous all over again, but I'm just going to jump in and try to get this out in a halfway coherent way. I believe that we are surrounded by extremes, and we've talked about that on other episodes in different situations, but we're, ex- we're surrounded by extremes in society. We see either ridiculous behavior and self-indulgence, or we see a complete denial that anything is even wrong. And society has consistently promoted these behaviors, even though they both lead to a frustrated end for those that are struggling through hard times. Emotional outbursts often leave us feeling drained and afterwards we're mostly embarrassed with no real solution for the root problem while denial and a fake contentment leave us feeling suffocated and misunderstood while the buildup of frustration threatens to come crashing down on us at any moment. We feel like a ticking time bomb. We feel like we are bursting at the seams with trying to carry everything and do it all perfectly. But believe it or not, there is a right way to throw a fit. All through scripture, we are confronted with examples of humans who trusted God reaching the end of their rope. And what amazes me about that is God never dismisses their exhaustion and their hurt. He always recognizes it. He always acknowledges it. And then he comforts them through it. They are not left in that place, but he comforts them through it as they walk out of that place. One of my favorite examples, and I know many have heard this in the in the recent year, year and a half, but it's Elijah. 
Now, no one can deny that he is a man of God. Through the scriptures, you can see so many examples of this and how God used him to encourage those around him, how God spoke to him. It's amazing when you stop and you slowly read these accounts in the Word of God. And in 1 Kings 1 and 8, we read about him calling down fire from heaven, and he turns an entire nation back to God. This moment is such an aha moment, so to speak, where they realize who the true God is. And this nation turns back to God. And then Elijah prays until the devastating drought that this whole country was enduring comes to an end. And as they see the clouds coming that are going to bring that rain that they've needed so long, he kind of caps off this experience here by outrunning a team of horses to deliver the message. This is amazing. This is a man that is strong. He would never struggle with depression, surely. He's way too strong to have suicidal thoughts. He's way too holy to have a pity party. And he's definitely too spiritual to hide in a cave from a woman, right? But in chapter 19, we find him doing all of these things, every single one. Surely, surely God was disappointed with him. But again, no. God treats him like we would treat one of our exhausted children. If you have a child that has put forth all of their best effort, they have tried with everything that was in them. They have fulfilled everything you have asked of them. They have done their very best. When they reach the end of the day where they're so tired and they're so done, we do not, a good parent does not admonish them for reaching the end of their physical and emotional rope. God sends an angel to Elijah and tells him to eat and to take a nap because the journey was too great for him. Elijah had just accomplished so many things, but there was still more to do. And God knew that in that moment, Elijah needed to rest. So we could classify what Elijah did as he lay there and literally asked to die. He was tired of living. He wanted to not be alive anymore. We could classify this as him throwing a fit, right? And many would if that's how we behave right now. But one of the wonderful things about God is that He, being the one that created us, knows us already. And He's not surprised by our exhaustion or our emotions or our limitations. He is already aware of them before we even acknowledge them. He knows that they're there. Another awesome example is the story of Job, a man that had proven himself so faithful that God had confidence in him. God had confidence in a man. He had confidence that he would remain faithful and true under the worst circumstances. That thought blew me away while I was studying just that simple thought that God had confidence in Job. When you've been raised in church your whole life or you've been reading the Bible your whole life, sometimes we can read through things so quickly that we don't let them have the impact on us that they should. But the fact that the God who created the heavens would have confidence in a man should blow us away. And he did. He had enough confidence in Job to mention him to the enemy twice. Job, the man that God had confidence in, was so racked with grief that he questioned. He cursed the day he was born. He sat in the dirt and he ripped his clothes 
he was in so much pain. The man that God had confidence in. And as you read through this account in scripture, it says, and through all of this, Job sinned not with his mouth. Often we will hide our grief and our pain as if somehow not acknowledging it will make it go away or our silent bearing of it makes us more worthy of God's love. But Job knew God and he knew there was nothing he could hide from him. He knew that he could either acknowledge the pain that he was feeling or he could refuse to acknowledge it, but God already knew that it was there. God was aware of what was going on. And once again, the creator of Job knew how this grief was going to affect Job. So Job refusing to acknowledge it in himself would have done nothing but postpone the inevitable, which would have been the emotional crumbling, the physical exhaustion, the mental shredding of Job because of this grief. So if we've seen these two examples, how do we properly throw a fit? In the two examples that I've mentioned, we see that they did not allow their disappointment in other humans and in other human situations to cause them to shut God out. Even though the hurt and the grief, they recognized that it was there, but they also recognized that God was the only one that could provide real hope and peace. They knew that in the darkest of times, the worst possible thing they could do would to be turn their back on the creator that had formed them and that was there to be with them. Everything around us can change at the drop of a hat. I think that that has never been more glaringly obvious than in the last four months. It is unbelievable the things that we have anchored ourselves in that have just been swept away but God will not change. Our jobs can be taken away. Our homes can be destroyed. Our families can become ill. So many things, but God will not change. And to survive the fickleness of life, we have to anchor ourselves in the only sure thing that there is. So I wanted to try, like I try with every episode to give some thoughts on what we can actually do to navigate through some of these things. And I know that some of this is going to be extremely obvious, as I always tell y'all. I'm not a rocket scientist, and I'm not a biblical scholar, so I normally don't have any aha things to tell you. But sometimes just actually choosing to remember some basic things will really help. The number one thing that I feel like was helpful to remember is that struggling does not indicate weakness, but humanness. You are going to struggle. It's inevitable. There is no person walking the face of this earth that has not struggled with hurt, that has not grieved. There is no one that is, we'll just say, over the age of eight that has not dealt with feeling sad or feeling alone or feeling overwhelmed or forgotten. You're a human. And often what we will do, this is number two here, is we will layer guilt on top of our feelings and struggles. And I know I've mentioned this in other episodes. This is the most counterproductive thing that we can do when we are in those moments of extreme struggle is to layer on thoughts such as, well, if I was really a Christian or if I were really a strong person or if I were really a good wife or 
really a good mother or really a good daughter, whatever you want to add in there, whatever you want to say to describe yourself. If I was this, I wouldn't struggle. If I were that, I wouldn't struggle. And all of those things are false. Because we're humans, we're going to struggle. So number one, we have to remember that that indicates that we're humans, not that we're weak. Number two, we cannot layer guilt on top of our feelings and struggles. If we accept the fact that we're human and that we will struggle sometimes, this will be a great help in approaching those moments realistically and productively. Because being human, you were never meant to carry it all alone. For some reason, we really think that we are supposed to, especially right now. We are more connected, as I've mentioned in other episodes, we're more connected as a society as far as accessibility, but we are not more connected when it comes to community and our ability to rely on those around us. We have always been created as a species that needed each other, and the more we try to carry it all alone, the harder life becomes. We were created to have relationships, and not the least important of which is our relationship with God, someone that can actually do something about the situations we find ourselves in. So number three is bring it all to Him, every single bit of it. There's nothing that you're going to say to Him, nothing that you're going to put before Him that will shock Him or that will disappoint Him in you. When you bring your burdens to Him, That is what he is there for. The scripture tells us to cast all of our cares on him. Cast is not a passive word. We are supposed to throw all of our cares to him because he cares about the fact that we're down, that we're overwhelmed, that we're hurt, that we're grieving, and even better, he can carry it, every single bit of it. Number four is take charge of your thoughts by taking them captive and replacing them. Anything that exalts itself above the promises and the grace of God does not belong in your head. We do not have to just sit and be beat up by our own thoughts. I talked about this in the episode where I talk about talking back to yourself. Sometimes we have to choose what we're going to think about. And I understand I do it all the time. I catch myself just setting and being overwhelmed, often by things that haven't even happened yet, but setting and being overwhelmed by thoughts and emotions and disappointments, so many things. And I have a plaque hanging on my wall that says, I choose joy. That does not mean that I always feel joy. That doesn't mean that I always see joy, but I choose joy. I have to actively take this role in my life. I have to purposely choose joy. It will not just surprise me out of nowhere and hold me up all the time. I have to choose it. Number five is to just repeat steps two and three all the time. Number two is we do not we do not layer the guilt on top of our feelings and we bring it all to him every time. We take charge of our thoughts, number four, and we replace them. So I don't just say, okay, I'm not going to think about this today because we know that we will sit around and think about the thing we just said we're not going to think about for the rest of the day if we don't actively replace it with something different. And then number six is be very selective about who you vent to. Sometimes I think that I spend a lot more time, not sometimes, I know this is true, I spend a lot more time being willing to vent to other humans than I am to God, than I am willing to take it 
and lay it all out for him because somehow I think that if I can process it with everybody else and figure it out, then I'll go to him with the situation wrapped up nice and neat and tied with a bow and have all the answers and he'll be proud of me. But that doesn't work. There's nothing that I can do to fix all the situations in my life, but something that I have done that has made things so much worse sometimes is venting to the wrong people. Now, if we are trying to achieve certain goals, if we have ourselves aimed at a specific target, then that helps us to identify what the obstacles are between us and that target. And one of the best things that you can do is figure out who is actually a friend that you can vent to that will be a productive friend and will help you steer back towards those goals that you have. Or if you just vent to everyone and anyone, you can be pulled off course so easily. And what will feel like a momentary happiness will have devastating effects on what you claim your end goals to be. We have to be very selective about who we vent to because pouring everything out to God does not mean that we have to pour it out to everyone else. And if we can sharpen our wisdom and we can sharpen our ability to discern who is pushing us towards those goals that are good for us and good for our families, then it will help us to know who is not good for us and not good for our families. Our behavior will always reveal our motives, even if we have yet to identify them ourselves. I have talked to people that are making decisions that are so confusing, and they'll claim that their goal is one thing, but all of their behaviors are taking them down another path. Sometimes we're so busy trying to not let anyone see that we're hurting that we completely crumble in the process. We have to learn the right way to throw a fit. And the right way will always be to recognize that we're hurt and to recognize that God already knows that we're hurt. And we're not actually hiding anything from Him. We're not making our lives better by not throwing a fit. We just need to learn how to throw the fit. There are going to be many situations that we face for the rest of our lives that will require us to acknowledge them before we're able to move forward. And Job, sitting on the ground with his clothes ripped, with his head shaved, he was covered in boils, and the one support he was supposed to have was telling him to curse God and die. He never did curse God, but he asked plenty of questions. He never did turn his back on God, but he wanted to die. Sometimes what you're feeling is the very thing that can lead you to God and strengthen your relationship with Him as He comforts you through what you're walking through. Don't let it be the thing that separates you from Him because you think on some level He's going to be disappointed in you for being a human. When His answer to us is here, here's some bread, take a nap, the journey is too great. God still has a purpose. God still has a plan for your life. And when we can learn to rest in Him and to throw our fits with Him, He can give us the strength and the sustaining grace to keep walking when we don't feel like taking one more step. 
I'm so excited to be back into the groove of things. I can't wait to get the next episode recorded, and I hope that y'all are having a wonderful week. I can't believe we're already in August. This is just crazy, but I hope y'all are having a wonderful week, and I hope that you find something to do today that will help you to purposely corral those thoughts that are overwhelming you so much and to choose joy even when you don't feel joy or see joy.